0: Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Make to Think. We're your host, Ninjam. This is part three of the anomalies of his story. So where do we leave off in part two? We just got to 1200 BC when there was this uh, Babylon influenza epidemic, which was only uh, 100 years after Tutankhamun had died. And it was around the same time that we'd found this um, seal of Solomon's hexagram which apparently was somehow related to what we call the magic ring or what could be known to some as this porthole. And now the reason I wanted to start here is because as I told you, during lockdown, I was looking into the history of influenza and where all these viruses came from and how they've evolved and stuff like that. And it became very, a very interesting project. And um, yeah, the first recorded influenza ever, ever according to Wiki was uh, the the Babylon influenza epidemic, twelve hundred BC. Now, I don't believe that these were epidemics. I'm gonna gonna say it straight out. I think they were more of um, a mass feeding frenzy of these these uh, what what I call the nephilim, the the aliens. Basically, they breed us and then they need to eat. And if you think about this 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 idea of there being a porthole, imagine you're an alien, you come down. You you are frozen in the ocean. You then create some kind of a device that melts the ice, and these blastoids hatch, and the uh, the aliens live inside the ocean, and then they uh, they grow onto the land, and then they're able to uh, start to genetically modify, um, and then create the human race, and then they 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 need to they need to eat, so they they not only breed us to. Uh, clone us and breeders to to do all the dirty work, but they also use us for food. And if you um if you've ever seen the TV show, the classic V from the nineteen eighties, I went back and rewatched that, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're they're this alien lizard race um hiding as as humans, uh, which was also the the Nephilim, the shapeshifters, let's say, and um um what they're doing is harvesting us on the ships it's been it's been seen seen in so many films, um and you could even say that we're also eating ourselves in fast food it's like recycled it's it's crazy right anyway that's just a theory so 1200 bc we've got the first influenza epidemic as i said think of it just what just go with the flow but imagine that these are not epidemics they're more like mass uh, frenzies of these aliens feeding us eating us Right. So then we've got the 20th dynasty of Egypt. And then we move into the third intermittent period of Egypt, uh, where you've got the 21st, the 22nd. Interestingly, um, the Queen of Israel was mentioned in 1842. Her name was Jezebel. And if you know the story about Jezebel, she was like this evil demon, evil spirit. So um, she was like the Queen of Israel. Remember, Israel comes from Isis. Is the Ra is Amun-Ra. And L is the worship of Saturn. So Satan comes from Saturn. Um, and you've got Jezebel, who's an, who's this known like demonic spirit that apparently possesses people. Um, so what we know about Israel, no, I'm not racist, um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in Israel right now, but I think that going back to when I talked about the Star of David, you had um the um the Rothschilds, which come from Amon Ra, Amon Kam the Kam, the Roth shield, um, they apparently set up Israel as their sort of center for how they were going to control the world. And obviously, if you make the center of the world um, into a war zone, then people's focus shifts attention. Um, and you know, this is the, this is the great deception. Anyway, uh, we've got the 23rd, 24th dynasty. And then interestingly, in 744 BC, we've got the Nubian invasion. And this was when Osiris now was first mentioned as the god of the underworld or the eye. So if, um, if his brother Set has took him out of the golden era and now Set's created the dark era, this is the cycle that we're now living in. And this whole time Osiris is underground, like waiting to come back to the golden time again, which hopefully we'll get past all this craziness. And find out like whose story this really is. Is it a good story made by a good person, a good wizard, the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Asiris, or the Wizard of Oz, or is it a is it a bad story with a bad ending? I'm going to stay optimistic. Now this is where it gets really interesting. So we've got, we've now got the late period, 26th D- Dynasty, 664 BC. But now 666 650 BC was where I found the first mention of Draco. Now, Draco has been mentioned in many movies. I'm a massive movie freak. But the Draco come from the the, um, constellation of Draco. And apparently, they were some kind of reptilian aliens race. And lots of people talk about them. Um, Apparently, they were the bad race uh, that took over Earth or the planet. And they now control it. So this idea when people talk about reptilians, running the world. Remember what we spoke about in part one. We've got the Tuatura. We've got all these worships of um, Quetzalcoatl and um, all this worshiping in Egypt. the snakes all over the walls. Um, it, there's always something to do with snakes. Um, now, Draco also um, can be translated to Dracon or Dragon. And that's where we actually get the origin of Dracula, Draco, Dracula. Now, Dracula. Oh, people are going to be like, "Oh, he's talking about Dracula." Let's let it, let it be known that Dracula is the most made movie of all time, and there's a reason for this that will come clear as we get into more modern times. Every time a Dracula movie is released, and the name of that specific movie, there's always some kind of historical event that happens around that. It's almost it's very very symbolic. So here we go. Where do we find the first known uh, record of Dracula? Or Dragon, right? Imagine what the dragon is. The dragon could be the evolution of the dinosaur, the Velociraptors. Um, it could have existed, but what well, you know, there's no, there's no evidence. There's no bones. Well, there's also no evidence of giants, apparently. But apparently, to some people, there's lots of evidence. It's just been taken away by museums, and we'll get to the Smithsonian and how all all that comes into play later. And um, how basically history has been real history has been censored, right? By whoever's controlling the narrative so 650 BC to 600 BC we've got this Draco or dragon Dracula I'm going to call him Dracula and he was from Agena, Aegina a e g i n a and Aegina um is in Athens it's a small island outside um now I mentioned volcanoes before um in I'm a big fan of Star Trek I'm watching Star Trek in chronological order at the moment and something about a noticed is every time they've discover a new planet they scan the planet from the spaceship and this is this is something that comes into um when you when you consider how the pyramids were built where they were built how they were built whoever located that pyramid exactly north south east west in the center of the earth could have only found that site using a similar technology as scanning the planet so they must have come from outside of space now And what they would do in Star Trek is they would scan the planet for geomagnetic energy to see if there's any kind of life. And usually that would be a volcano activity because from geomagnetic energy or seismic energy underground, you can create the ability to generate energy above um, using this ancient technology, um, which we'll get into with Tesla and stuff later. So, what's so interesting about this guy, um, Dracula? Um, he was the first recorded legislator and lawmaker of Athens in ancient Greece. And he apparently belonged to the Greek nobility of Attica. In 10th century pseudo t- text, they record him as uh, contemporaneous, which also means simultaneous. Sounds to me like a shapeshifter, right? And what in Dracula, J- Dracula could change from a human to a bat. And again, it's a myth, but remember what I said about myths, there's lots to be taken from myths. Now, in Agena, there is a distinct volcano that constitutes two thirds of this island. And Asius is the mythological king of Agena. And he was the son of Zeus, who's the king of the gods, the god of the sky, thunder, law, order and justice. Now, Zeus also sounds like Jesus, Jesus. Right. And interestingly, um, if you watch the original Clash of the Titans, one of my favorite scenes in any movie is when right at the beginning of that film, Zeus is playing with a figure and he puts the figure into the pantalon, like the stadium. And then that figure becomes Pegasus. And then the movie starts. So what you see in there is like, you know, whoever's running the world is controlling us like little puppets. And whatever they do, it's like a giant play, like William the Shakespeare. They're writing the script, which is kind of what I'm trying to explain here. There's a script and it, and it all starts forming a pattern very soon. Um, also, something I noticed in the opening scene of Star Trek, it zooms in onto the very top of the Enterprise, the dome, right? So it's called the Enterprise, which is what the whole world is, it's an Enterprise. And then you have this dome where you have the people commanding the Enterprise, who was Albert Pike original Captain Kirk before that was Albert Pike who's Albert Pike he was the guy that created Freemasonry we'll get to that later how Star Trek's connected to Freemasonry and these are the guys running the world as well as the Jesuits the Jesuits Jesus which comes from Zeus right um so what you have there in Star Trek is immediately showing you it's like that there's this little cockpit of people controlling the Enterprise I think it's it's considering how big Star Trek is, it's the opening scene of the first episode that really makes the world of difference to understanding what it's all about. So and just before I will get into Star Trek later, but Star Trek is basically unraveling all these mythologies and and showing us pieces of real history and putting it into science fiction. And people just don't see how how that's clear as day. Once you figure out that mythologies, there's a lot of uh, actual truth involved. So, this is where we've got this lawmaker and legislator who's somehow um, related to Dracula, and he's from this nobility of Attica. Now, massive Al Pacino fan, uh, probably is my, fa- my favourite actor of all time. In the one of his movies called Dog Day Afternoon, he plays this role of um, a homosexual who has a partner who wants to have a sex change, and they can't afford it. So they go and rob a bank, and there's a scene in that where Pacino runs out on the street to talk to the police and he's screaming, Attica, Attica. And that's what got me studying. What I do with movies, anything I don't understand, I look it up, I Google it, I search it, I do my research because I've also studied film writing. So there's a reason why uh, any writer puts something like a reference in a movie. So here we've got Al Pacino, who later played Dracula in Devil's Advocate, um, and a cracking um, uh, Dracula, and he also played the godfather, right? The mafia will all come into this, mafia, vampires, um, Dracula. It's all kind of linked together. But what we're talking about here is a Greek nobility who are like the royal bloodline of that time, and they they somehow come from this place, Agiana, which is around a volcano. And remember what I said in part? Uh, One with the dinosaurs, lizards, they had scales because they like to be around um, hot climates. That's why Galapagos, I've been to the Galapagos, you have so many uh, lizards, so many turtles because they like that geomagnetic energy. And also geomagnetic energy was the, 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 the reason why you have places like Stonehenge, because you've got energy coming up and they would trap this energy inside these stones, which form magic rings. And what were the magic rings of solomon these could be the portholes or they could be areas to heal but i think they were portholes right so imagine again go back to that story let me quickly remind you we've got these blastoids coming down we've got these aliens embedded in ice all in the movies if you watch them in chronological order uh, predator aliens in the Predator films, you've got them wandering around their pyramids and they're, they're eating people, you know, and ultimately you've got the alien versus the Predator, which becomes like us, the man, versus its creator, once we figure out who's made us. Um, so, um, let's focus now again on this person. What I've found there is what we've called the first recorded lawyer, right? Remember what does Al Pacino play in Devil's Advocate? He plays a lawyer, who's also Dracula, right? And he's contemporaneous he's a, he's a he has the ability to shift or or um, be in different places right could be you know split personality or just a shapeshifter let's go with shapeshifter okay again shapeshifting think about genetics you've got octopuses and um, you've got animals like um, certain reptiles that can change color um you, these things are possible you know you' just got to open your mind that it's possible for us. We only see the world with our two dimension, but there's three, four, five, six, probably eight dimensions that we're unaware of, right? Okay, now, um, in 610 BC, um, we start getting into like a Socratic Greek philosophy. Um, and there's a word called um, um which was um, this Greek philosopher, he used a word called Apiron which meant unbounded or indefinite, which symbolizes infinity. So there's a philosopher talking about infinity, which to me is uh, representing this idea of reincarnation. There's a bloodline that is able to live forever, to reincarnate into different vessels and on and on and on, right? Because um, that's, what, that's what the elites want. They want to live forever. Um, then 597 BC, we've got the Babylonian captivity, um, I'm not going to go too much into that. Um, but then in 550, something very interesting is when we get mentioned The uh, it's called the uh, Vara Hamihira table, which indicated the size of an atom. And um, it was uh, the mathematical figure is fairly comparable with the actual size of the hydrogen atom. So this Vala Hamihira table, um, something in Indian text, um, already has the ability to understand atoms. And I think that's where the name Adam came from, uh, the atom, the beginning. So once you understand DNA, you understand the uh, uh, atomic structure and all this thing, when you watch Star Trek, it's it might not be that far-fetched. They're already now talking about the ability to um, to um, send things like, what do you call it? Um, um Oh, I forgot the word in, in Star Trek. Yeah, beam me up, right? Um, they're going to be able to do that in the future, and they're going to have these food replicators, uh, just like in Star Trek. But apparently, when you do when you do beam, um, a piece of you dies or you die, and then a new version of you is born later, which to me also symbolizes reincarnation. It's kind of strange. I forgot the bloody word now, it's in my head. All right, anyway. Um, next up, we've got the end of the Babylon Empire, 539. Um, you've got the Persian period in the 27th dynast- dynasties when the Persian Empire conquered Egypt. That was around 525 to 404, quite a long time. And then 470, you've got Socrates. He was born and he was one of the founders of Western philosophy and he became Plato's teacher. Um, it's so interesting to me. I-, I studied philosophy at university. I did uh, creative writing and film writing, but I had to do three months of philosophy and I really got into Plato and, you know, so much of his writing, we'll get into a little bit of it in a second, how, how he knew so much about Atlantis and how they knew so much about astronomy. It's like, to me, this is all downloaded knowledge from previous lives. It can only be that, right? Now, 450, something interesting. There's something called the Brooklyn Papyrus, Papyrus and it's a manuscript that is now kept at the Brooklyn Museum. And it's a collection of two parts. Uh, The first part, systematically describing different kinds of snakes. And the second describes different treatments for snake, scorpion, or spider bites. And for some reason, it's it's on display. It's a manuscript from 450 BC. And they, they, they spent a lot of time researching snake bites. Now, why did this catch my attention? One, because if you... This is kind of out there, but it makes sense to me. If you wanted to... Genetically modify a snake to a human, let's say, shapeshift. Then, and, and and while you're in your snake form or reptilian form, you would have these poisonous sacs. If if I was to shapeshift into a human and I still had those poisonous sacs, like tonsils, for example, um, then maybe I'd kill myself once I'd done my shapeshift. So I'd have to understand how to treat the genetic structure of the poison so that I don't kill myself once I metamorphosize. Just a a thought, okay? Oh, it could just be a book about how to treat snakes, right? Interesting. But I just wondered why they'd done this in 450 BC. Anyway, 432, we've got the first mention of uh, Dionysus, who is a Greek tyrant. And Dionysus um, actually also means Diana. We've got Queen Diana. Going back to uh, V, uh, the V series, uh, the great queen in that the reptilian queens also called Diana. We've got Princess Diana who was um, sacrificed ritually. Uh, she was assassinated in um, in this this uh, old area, which is um, a, a, a sacred ritual site for Dionysus. And um, Dionysus sounds very much like dinosaurus. So I think this is um, again it's this reptilian bloodline that's been passed down. Um, and then four thirty. We have the new plague of Athens, and this was the earliest recorded pandemic which happened during the Peloponnesian War. Um, Apparently after the disease passed um, through Libya, Ethiopia, and Egypt, it then crossed the Athenian walls where the Spartans laid sage. And as much as two-thirds of this population died, now the symptoms included fever, thirst, bloody throat a bloody throat which means somebody's been slashed or cut again similar to the Dracula thing right remember I said that I don't believe these are viruses they are um, massive Exodus massacres where these these vampires this bloodline these uh, di- terrible dinosaurs are killing the humans for for blood um, what we call like the great feasts of today we we actually celebrate these great feasts, the feast of st peter blah 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 um so we had uh, symptoms fever thirst bloody throat and tongue red skin and les- lesions lesions now lesions could also be something to do with this shape shifting genetic uh, modification remember what i said about um tutankhamun they'd not quite fixed it so they were they were like a mutant breed that were in and out of um trying to be be stable, right? And then um, apparently there was this thing called an itchtiasis vulgaris that um apparently is derived from the masses of common people. Now I did mention the itchai st- stega in number one and this this word itch tie keeps coming up. So we are we are talking here about for me this is the royal alien bloodline and they are now um the Spartans and they are this Barbaric, um, almost like the they're cannibals—they're eating people—and they're they're uh, they're masking it as some kind of giant plague. How how um, how perfect is that in history to just blame it on these viruses, right? And we'll get as as we progress in this, you'll start to see this method in Mimandus. Um and apparently, then this became this. Uh, there was a hundred thousand people died in this plague. So that's 100,000 massacred. And then that was suspected to have been some kind of typhoid fever. Um, And they blamed it on uh, hand washing being less frequent. Now, um, again, you know, every time there's a virus, we've got to be super clean. We've got to wear masks. To me, if I was, if we were, if there was an alien race actually walking amongst us and they was getting sick from our our filthy habits, now, by us washing our hands and staying clean, they get less chance to be infected. Think of it like that. All right. So they're telling people, if you don't wash your hands, you're, you're going to die. It's like washing a pig or washing an animal before you before you eat it. You make sure you clean it, then you cook it, and then you eat it. Right. So we're, we're keeping ourselves nice and fresh for these vampires. <laughs> Interesting. Now, Plato is born. And Plato was born in Agena, the same place. As these, uh, this nobility. So again, a guy who's got great knowledge. All these books that he wrote. Some he mentioned Atlantis. He's obviously from a royal bloodline. Um, possibly amphibious. Um, maybe sh- being able to shape shift. If you could shape shift from a human to an animal, imagine the wisdom you would bring back to 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 uh, humanity by writing books. How you experience what it's like to be a, a dolphin. Apparently, dolphins, by the way were the ancestors of the Atlant- Atlanteans. That's why they're so intelligent. Um, okay, then 412, we've got uh, Greece, in, they've got the Roman Republic influenza. So not so long after this, you know, 650, we're talking 200 years now, this 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 Dracula guy's popped up, and um, he's growing, his like Spartans, and then suddenly more and more of these outbreaks keep happening, right? Uh, as civilization grows, they get eaten the same like in any in wildlife things will get eaten until they disappear and then uh, we have 400 BC we have a mention of the mahabharata which describes nuclear or atomic weapons or a historical battle of the skies it was an ancient Indian Sanskrit text I've kind of skipped the whole Indian thing um not it's just too too much detail but th- this is a major point here that this book, the Mahabharata is mentioning about a nuclear atomic war that happened in a battle of the skies. And if you go to Egypt and you look around, it's, it's just, you know, the idea of them being tombs is bullshit. If you look at the pyramids properly in all different sites, you'll notice that they're bulging out. It's almost like uh, something's gone off inside and created like a snowball effect and they've blown, the pyramids are blown from the outside. But if you look at how, Damage some of the temples are, and um, it's obvious that some, some, it looks like something from a sci fi film. Ships have come down and just blown the shit out of it. And if you look under the soil in certain areas, under the sand, you'll find particles of glass, which can only occur from high temperatures, especially atomic. And um, it's that's the whole story, but that's true. Okay. And then we're now moving into the 28th dynasty. So many dynasties in Egypt. You know, people just think about Ramesses and, and Tutankhamun. There's loads and there's lots of happened. And then Socrates um, Socrates dies, who was Plato's father, uh, Plato's teacher. And then um, this is where it starts getting interested. Every time somebody of of, of massive influent, inf, inf, influence in the world dies, usually somebody else of influence uh, comes along a few years later. So Socrates dies in 399, and then Aristotle is born in 384. He became Plato's student. So it's almost like they're keeping the esoteric knowledge in, in the house, right? Perfect. Um, And this guy, Aristotle, just look at these things. He's Plato's student, but he's got this... Um, oh my God, I'm just trying to... He's got this interesting um, writing about metaphysics, uh logic, Ethics, aesthetics, poetry, theater, psychology, economics, and politics. I mean, why is somebody in 384 studying metaphysics? This kind of word has only come into modern society. Uh, metaphysics, the idea of being able to uh, mold universes or, or, you know, this idea of um, shape shifting. To me, It's it's perfectly clear that these guys were studying it. They were perfecting it, right? Um, Because, again, they're an alien race trying to genetically modify with a new human slave race that doesn't know we're slaves. So they have to be able to control us, make us dumb enough, but smart enough. And we'll get to this in a a while, but in the the first movie with Gene Wilder, first his major role, he was – he was the he, he was the doctor in Young Frankenstein. Everybody mistakes Frankenstein to be the monster. No, he was the scientist, like Enki, and um, he plays this um this scientist who brings back the monster. But his his um his his servant, his server. His assistant is this mutant who's got a hunchback and the big, boggly eyes that I mentioned in uh, the first part about the bug-eyed fish. They will, they will come into play. There's lots of actors who've got these big, bulgy eyes. Um, Joe Pesci's one of them. <laughs> and, uh, and these these usually, the nose or the eyes can represent the bloodline that's still living today. Um, but anyway, uh, he this assistant puts the wrong brain in the monster, and the monster wakes up and he's dumb instead of smart, which is kind of what we are. But interestingly, Gene Wilder, his name backwards is Wilder Jeans or Wild Jeans. So hes I think Gene Wilder is part of this lineage, Royal Bloodline, and we'll get into that later. But what, what did they use to bring the monster alive? Like they said, he's alive. They, they used the Tesla coils, the two Tesla towers, which are uh, symbolizes Bose and Joaquin, which is also on my logo, uh, which is also uh, the door of the Seal of Solomon. The, the magic ring, it all comes into play. Um, you know, Stonehenge, all these ancient sites, they're all places where you could create some kind of wormhole or porthole and physically go through them. Just like in um, um, Ch- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka, I guess who played Willy Wonka? Also Gene Wilder. Uh, you remember that part where they put the kid in the TV? That's all metaphysics, right? But we've got Aristotle studying this as far back as 384 BC, right? Crazy. And then we've got 13th Dynasty, 360 BC. Plato mentioned Atlantis in one of his books. Um, He didn't draw a map, but he mentioned the structure of Atlantis. He knew about it. Uh, This was really the first time it was mentioned. And then another guy later actually created a map, um, which which we'll get to when we're there. And then Plato dies. Plato dies 12 years after he writes this book about Atlantis. Maybe he was taken out. Maybe he naturally died. And guess what? We've then got the second Persian period, the 31st dynasty. And then a few years after Plato dies, Alessander the Great um, is born. Then Aristotle dies. Okay. And then we've got the Hellenistic period. Um, Now after that we've got the 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 Polte- dynasty in 305 and this is when Ptole- Ptolemy ruled Egypt um up until 30 BC that's a good run nearly 300 years um, and this was be uh, this was until Egypt became a province of Rome so this is when it was independent right and then the roman empire came in and took over egypt um so we've got evidence in egypt of the lion the sphinx of babylon um and then rome comes along which is kind of all the they're all the same empire at the end of the day it's but it's usually the same power with uh, the ability to have two enemies fighting one another but it's the same one power the same family the rothschilds at the very top since day one so anyway um yeah they became that became rome later um, Ptolemies was originally a Macedonian a Greek, another Greek, right? Everything goes back to Greece, not to Rome. And he declared the, the Pharaoh of Alexandria, which took out Syria, uh, Libya, and Sinai and Nubia. And then the Egyptians only accrued power back, providing they they Hellenized. So what that means is that um, they would have to worship this new religion. And this is where it all got, kind of got crazy. Uh, before there was like one religion, now this control, this, this people and control the narrative, creating more and more religions to separate people, right? And mind control. Okay, 236 BC, we've got this first mention of this guy, very important guy, he's called Scipio Africanus, and he's a Roman general regarded as one of the greatest military commanders of all time. He was best known for defeating Hannibal at the final battle of Zama. In Tunisia in two thousand and two. Now this guy was part of. Um, he was a member of what's called the Sali, the College of Priests on Mars. Isn't that strange? Like, why is he mentioned of priests from Mars in two hundred and thirty six BC? But he's a mention of the Sali, and that to me also sounds like Salim, Salem, uh, Salem's Lot. We'll get to that also later. I'll bring all that up, and then we have. Um, 200, 200 to 220, we've got the oral of the Torah. The Torah is the old Jewish manuscript. And then Spartacus is born in 111. Julius Caesar is born in 100 BC, right? And um, then you have the third civil war, rebellious slaves against the Romans, the Roman Empire. So this is similar to what's going on with uh, today. And um, today you've got, we still have the Babylon. And actually, London is called um, the city of. um, um, Oh my God, I forgot the word now. The city of Troy, right? So, London's original name was City of Troy and it became New Troy. And over time, it's become uh, London, which actually comes from Babylon. Babylon. So, the Roman Empire has never gone anywhere. It's just, it's metamorphosized uh, from Greek. From Egyptian, Greek, Roman into the new empire, the new world, which is London, and that London's the capital of the world. France, um, Paris, also a capital, and then you've got Washington, the three which call we we call the Trinity. Um, so like any any history history, you've always got uh, the rebels against the empire, which is kind of where you get the story of Star Wars, right? Um, and then. We've got, um, I'm going to, you've got all the gladiator era, around 72, Spartacus dies, Julius Caesar died in 44 BC. Something interesting about all these people who were in power, like Tutankhamun, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, they're all assassinated pretty young. they were all killed. You know, um, Kennedy was killed. These people, you could have been like, they were, they were, they were questioning what was going on with this empire and who was pulling the strings and then they got taken out. Um, 400 and, uh, sorry, 43 BC is now where we have a very important guy and I'm not quite sure if it's related to what I mentioned in the beginning, very start uh, I mentioned all the different periods and I mentioned that there was the Ordovician period now there's a famous guy, a poet his name was Publius Ovidius Nasso, and they called him Ovid and to me that, that name Ovid resonates with that period when I mentioned the or, or Ordovician times. Now, if we go back to that, and um, the Ordovician period was when we got the first ever um fish with true fish with jaws like sharks, and then you had the the bug-eyed ratfish, right? So if you had a bloodline coming from that period and you genetically modified them, they would have big teeth. and what what do we know that has big teeth? vampires, right? And we talk about those, um, those plagues and the symptoms of having bloody throats and bloody tongues. And the, apparently, the Spartans were cannibals, same like the Huns. They used to eat people. The Chinese built the Great Wall of China, uh, Great Wall in China, to keep the Huns out because they were, put, they were apparently eating people. Right. So look at these things with an open mind, be, be subjectively, and you might see uh, what I'm what I'm seeing. So you've got Ovid who's this uh, famous poet. And why, why is he important? Because I'm a massive Stanley Kubrick fan. I told you my famous, my favourite actor is Al Pacino, favourite director is Stanley Kubrick. Stan, Stanley Kubrick's movies are uh, a testament to real esoteric knowledge. He's trying to tell people what happened. He's an insider that was kind of giving out secrets, but you really got to dig deep. And in his last movie, Eyes Wide Shut, which is what the world is doing, you know, people talk, People are laughing and joking about the woke it's so hilarious. But he's t- he's saying there uh, everybody's eyes are wide shut as to what's coming and what's happening. And me, I'm fully wide awake. I don't consider myself as a walk person, I just see, I see the agenda, which is why I'm doing this presentation. Because once it starts getting really going and the pieces start fitting together, this is where the anomalies come into play. And you're gonna be like, wow, that's interesting. It's so such a coincidence! Are these things keep happening, right? These anomalies. So anyway, Ovid was a Roman poet, and he was um he was most important. His most important sources of classical. He's one of the most important sources of classical mythology, and he was best known for a book called *Metamorphosis*. Now, Ovid got kicked out of the Roman Empire for speaking too much. He's a little bit like me. I've been black, I've been blacklisted and. Shadow band on Facebook. Um, I'm not even allowed to upload the videos. Um, What I'm doing right now, I've actually got video content where I can show you pictures and stuff, but it only lets me upload the audio. That could be because it's it's, uh, lawful, I don't know, content. I don't know. Legal content, legally binding content. But everything I've got is off wiki, which is public domain anyway. Anyway, um, why Ovid? Because there's a scene with... um, Nicole Kidman, Nicola Kidman, she's dancing with a guy in Eyes Wide Shut and he, he brings up Ovid and said, have you ever heard of Ovid? And he was uh, he was very much into orgies and sex and talking about sex on stage. And she said, oh, yeah, wasn't he the one that was banished, um, banished from, from Rome? And I think that was Kubrick trying to say that this guy had a lot to talk about and And, you know, if if it's somewhere we can find his original messages, that's what, that's what Kubrick was trying to pick up on. Like, don't, don't let it, don't let this this stuff be censored, right? Open your eyes to it. And I did. And I went and studied all of Ovid's stuff. And uh, yeah, you you really got to look into that to find out a little bit more. But basically he was talking about stuff that uh, the Empire would have hated. So they, they banish you. And that's when we kind of became domesticated, Right. We'll get to that as well. Um, then we have the Octavian, Octavian rule, um, Cleopatra. Um, and then in 24 BC was the earliest mentions of the Assyrius myth in some pyramid text and Egyptian funeral, funerary text. Um, And these texts actually spell uh, utterances about how to reincarnate. So again, this is something that's been mentioned before with the hymn of Osiris. There's some kind of book going around that shows people spells witchcraft uh, Alistair Crowley very much into this stuff he created a whole, uh, the order um, uh, the, the brotherhood of this Egyptian philosophy stuff, very much dark into um, very much into dark arts and and doing these rituals and all kinds of things, trying to maybe bring these people back or inherit the spirit of these these demigods or whatever and um, and um, so yeah so, so whoever's got access to these these spells will have power over the world and this is where the vatican comes into play And um, 8 bc we've got homer's odyssey again homer's odyssey is kind of a remake of these, the epic of gilgamesh but homer's odyssey it's like that's like the original story the bible story that's been passed down over time the bible came along just after this and it was um, it was massacred, right? It was there was lots of pages taken out. Um, now, first we get down to the first century BC, and this is when Saint John the Baptist is born, and he was portrayed as the precursor or the forerunner of Jesus. Again, you've always got somebody important who's born. He could be the vessel that is to grow, and if the, if the vessel is stable, then they can uh, reincarnate the spirit of the the chosen one into that person. And then 4 AD, Jesus, the actual Jesus is born. And we'll go back to what I mentioned about Dagon. Um, Dagon is Oanis, and Jesus was born in Pisces, and Oanis was the fish, the fish god, also called Pisces, Dagon. His name is Dagon. And if you look at if you look online of Oanis or Dagon, you'll see that it looks like a guy, a man wearing some kind of fish costume with a pointy fish hat, which is why the Pope of the Vatican wears the pointy hat to represent the fish. I mean, this is not coincidence. This is real shit. Um, also in the Vatican, they've got a giant statue of an egg, which looks like a pine cone. Apparently, this is to represent the, what I told you about, the Ishtar, the egg, or maybe the blastoid, the original eggs that fell from earth that got trapped in the water that then grew it grew into this um, ancient species, right? And they've been taking, like, you look at the story of Jurassic Park, what did they do in that? They took the DNA of a dinosaur and brought the dinosaurs back. This is the same fucking story, basically. They're bringing back these ancient um, reptiles with like very strong features, like especially big teeth, like big fangs, the ability the ability to tear predators apart, but you could put them into a human form like Shapeshift. So you've got, anyway, a picture of Awanis, a fish god, you've got like, it looks like a man with legs wearing a fish costume, which to me symbolizes amphibious species, which could go go all the way back to what I said before about Atlantis, about these creatures that could live underwater. That's why you have this crocodile god, uh, Sobek, um, who interestingly was um, the deity that um, governed the control of water. And Egypt, the whole land of Egypt's all about the control of water underground why do we have these caves underground to me again cave systems if you go to cenotes in mexico i have done a lot of scuba diving caves are very much filled with water these could have been these could have been the old caves underwater look at look at the movies like avatar you've got uh quetzalcoatl not avatar sorry the the marvel film um there's a marvel film that shows Crescotal and the whole species living underwater these films are made to make real history sort of like lost in, in fantasy. um. But yeah, that would make sense that these, these people were originally amphibious living under the water. And as the waters disappeared, they've had to move on to land, right? And that's where we became the, the vessels that they needed um. because we need to dig out all the shit from under the ground, especially the fossils. Those are the key. It's like, imagine my ancestors were here long before me and I wanted to come back and, bring my ancestors back i'd have to go and pick up the bones get the dna and if i had the ability i could bring my entire family back this is what they're doing in my opinion they're looking for certain periods and where they had certain ancestors with certain qualities that have the power to control the world who controlled the world during the dinosaurs it was the t-rex right and t-rex comes into play so again we're talking about genetics Anybody that's born with genetic mutations has advantages. I'd I'd go as far to say that Ronaldo, Messi, and um, uh, you've got um, um, Magic Johnson, all these famous uh, athletes, they're so much better than everyone else. Maybe because just like that that book, all the Huxley's Brave New World, and um, everybody's born in test tubes, and the lucky ones get the advantages. Okay, so I'm going to stop just around here. So we've got St. Peter is born, 1 AD. And then in the first century, apparently now is when we have the Holy Land, the Roman Empire, the Catholic Church is introduced by Jesus and the Vatican is founded by Jesus. How? Jesus was only four years old, right? And apparently he's a first century Jewish preacher and a religious leader, but he only speaks um, Latin. He doesn't speak the native spoken tongue uh, as a Jew. So again, kind of a shapeshifter, if you know what I mean. Uh, Latin language coming from Greek. Um, I think we've got our lawmaker. Uh, we've 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 still on point to follow this this bloodline, and especially this this guy of importance, one of the most probably the most famous person in the world. To me, it's the same person where we started. Okay, the nephilims. All right. End of part three. My voice is going to give up. I'll have a little break and I'll be back for part four. And I hope it's getting more interesting. I'm loving it. I know where we stand. And if you're still kicking in, respect, much love, and I'll catch you for part four. Thank you very much. Good night.